Welcome, welcome everyone. It's, it's great to see you. You all know me, but uh, for your own benefit and for the rest of the group, I will do some introductions. So first up, here we have uh, Diablo Frank from the psychological head of Diablo. Dr. Humpenscrump. <laughs> yes. Uh, Professor Allen from Relatively Crazy. Thank you, Dr. Hazelnut Strusel. Uh, okay. Uh, we have Sean Ross from Secret Manias and Beyond. Dr. Hungry Hungry Hippos. Uh, right. Uh, oh, look, it is Dr. Arms, who is actually a real doctor. Hello there, Dr. Herpes Canker. <sighs> John and Maggie from Married with Crippling Obsessions. Dr. Herpensmurfer. Thank you, Dr. Hoffman Jingleheimer Schmidt. Uh, um, and I'm very pleased to have you here, uh, Dr. G, man of psychology. Present, Dr. Herpen Sturfner. Uh, 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 Herman Law from Looney Bin of Darkness. Dr. Helmricker. Um, and here we have Clinton Robinson from Coffee and Compulsions. Hello, Dr. Humbleglublu. <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, Shag, um, the, uh, untreatable Shag, he's actually one of my other patients. Dr. Humpum Scrumpum. Oh, wait, okay, everyone, get ready. I believe this is Paul walking in right now. Dr. Herfin Watson. Oh, what's going on? Who are all these people? Hello, Paul. Come on in. Grab your usual seat over there. Yes, uh, this week I have decided to assemble a group of experts to tackle your DC OCD. These are the best experts in the different fields. Well, mostly. Right. And what do you call this this group, this, this team? Uh, I shall call them Task Force Hicks. podcast where we're talking about every single DC event from Crisis on Infinite Earths in 1985 in order on up and we have reached the year 2016 and we are discussing Justice League versus Suicide Squad and I am joined today by my um, my fellow Australian Mike and we have a person from Canada the Great White North we have Dr. DC aka Reed hey how are you going hello how's it going <laughs> Welcome to the show, yeah. So um, you've been doing your Dr. DC podcast for a long, long time, haven't you? Uh, yeah, I think since like 2017, something like that. We're coming up on four years, I think. Wow. Cool. Yeah. Okay, so um, I'll just introduce a little bit about this event before we get into uh, the the guts of it and pulling it apart. Yeah. So it was written by Joshua Williamson, who wrote the uh, six-issue miniseries on, called Justice League vs. Suicide Squad. And it also had um, some Suicide Squad issues and a Justice League issue. Um, and there were other writers like Tim Seeley and Rob Williams and Cy Spurrier involved. So uh, there's lots of art. So Jason Fabok, Tony Daniel, Jesus Marino, Fernando Parasarin, 
Robson Rocha, Howard Porter, Christian Juice, Riley Rosmo, Scott Eaton, Giuseppe Cafaro, Giuseppe Camicoli, Sandy Florea, uh, Andy Owens, Matt Ryan, Wayne Foucher, Jay Leistein, uh, Daniel Henriquez, uh, Eau Claire Albert, and Francesco Martina. And there are some covers by Amanda Connor as well. Uh, led it by Rob Lee, Pat Brousseau, Richard Starkings, and Josh Reed. And coloured by Alex Sinclair, Hi-Fi, Gabrielle Eltabe, Matt Lopez, Jeremiah Skipper, and the millionaire, and his what? Sorry. Um, <laughs> Brian Cunningham and Andy Curry, they edited the whole thing. So, yeah, this is, um, well, it's five issues and six issues, so 11 issues altogether. Um, so it's, it's a fairly compact event. Um, but let's, I'll just cover what the plot is about so you guys don't have to worry. So the story follows the squad to the fictional island of Badanesia, where the, uh, made up of Stan, actually, uh, where the team has been dispatched to prevent the Brimstone Brotherhood from causing an earthquake. During the events, the squad is confronted by the Justice League, having learned of the team's existence from Batman. Um, Amanda Waller shares her intention to blow the bombs in their neck if they are captured by or surrendered to the Justice League. Uh, the Suicide Squad are defeated by the Justice League until Killer Frost, who's a brand new member of the Suicide Squad, absorbs a portion of this weakened Superman's life force and freezes everyone. Uh, back at B- Bell Reeve Penitentiary, or Bell Rev, um, the Justice League are imprisoned by Amanda Waller. Um, Batman escapes his confinement and confronts Waller about her plans for the League. Uh, when the plot reveals the approaching threat of Maxwell Lord and his supervillain team, the two teams must pull their efforts in order to prevent the theft of a powerful weapon from inside Bell Rev. As the story continues, Lord succeeds in stealing the Heart of Darkness, aka the Eclipso Diamond, and uses it to control the League, and through them gains control of the whole world. Uh, Batman rallies Lobo, who's one of the uh, other Maxwell Lord's team, and the remaining squad members to make a final stand against Maxwell Lord, escalating to conflict with the compromised Justice League. Meanwhile, Amanda observes that Lord himself is falling under the influence of the Eclipso Diamond, and warns him of this when Lord has her brought to the White House. Lord realises too late that Waller's warning held truth. In the following chaos... Batman deems the new Justice League made up of the Suicide Squad members who are still up and about, and although Lord is able to bring most of the squad and the League under his control, he is defeated by Killer Frost acting on Batman's instructions when she creates a prism of ice that reflects Superman's heat vision in a frequency that will disrupt Eclipso's control of the heroes. Eclipso himself being vanquished by Killer Frost as she draws on the life energy of the rest of the heroes and the squad members present, thus limiting the drain on any one of them. In the aftermath of the crisis, Killer Frost is officially released while Lord is kept in Waller's custody. Waller musing that she will have a use for him in Task Force X. So, uh, what did you think of this, Reid? Yeah, I mean, I I actually quite enjoy this uh, this little series. I don't think it's like the greatest thing ever, but I think there's a lot of fun in there. Um, it's I like the I always like when clandestine organizations or characters butt up against each other. So to have uh, Maxwell Lord kind of going after Waller and Waller having to use her team and, like and the Justice League to go after him. I love that kind of stuff. I love all of like the behind closed doors sort of um, aspects of DC. So I think there's a lot of kind of fun, uh, fun stuff in there. I mean, obviously, 
the actual Justice League versus Suicide Squad thing is like an issue and a half. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. Yes. Right. It's it, it's it's what I assume will be the same with Godzilla versus Kong. Right. They fight first and then they team up. You know, um, which is fine. But um, yeah, I. I I don't think that the Eclipso side of it really fits in the story other than being something powerful enough that they all need each other. But no, I, I think it's fun. I, I like this event. It's got a lot of action. There's some good like character moments between like uh, some heroes and their villains like Flash and Boomerang or, uh, you know, Batman and Deadshot. Um, it's it's like the redemption arc of Killer Frost, which is really cool. Yeah, I mean, there's lots of neat stuff in here. Yeah, it's, it seems to me this would be a really good story and a really big deal if you hadn't read a lot of history of the DC Universe. So if you hadn't seen all the other previous events, if you weren't familiar with um, Eclipso the Darkness Within, uh, this would seem like quite a yeah. good one. You know, it's quite a... You know, it's, it's a, a base-level entry story that brings together two teams... Um, and you know, it, because it happens in the Rebirth era, you've got to sort of squint at the continuity. Like, Maxwell Lord is a big deal villain, but we're not really sure why, because none of those stories sort of exist now. Or, you know... Well, and... but they... Yeah, they they kind of... They almost do. Like, even Superman's, like... Superman's like, oh, no, like, we got to watch out for him. Yeah. But there's nothing specific, right? Because, to be honest, like, the, the specifics of... Max's history only just finally come to light again in like the most recent arc of Wonder Woman, like from that ended in like December. Yeah, yeah. He find he finally gains all the memories of like having his neck snapped and stuff like that. Wow. <laughs> yeah. What did you think, Mike? Um. Well, even though I was aware of Max Lord and 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 uh, Eclipso and you know previous events, um, I only read this for the first time in the last. 12 to 18 months um and i think that i bought the trade I've, I've only got the trade of the whole story and i think i bought it purely because it was on the list for this show of events that we would be covering <laughs> and i was like oh i don't have this one i should go and get it so i kind of went into it cold knowing nothing other than the title of the story and what was on the the cover of, of the trade so for me, the, the cool, exciting bits was like, oh, hang on, it's more than just those two teams. There's Maxwell Lord and this other original Suicide Squad. Oh, and Eclipse yeah. has evolved as well. What the heck? So I think some of the twists and turns were really cool. Um, I like the bit where, well, two bits involving Batman. First, when he blows up Lobo's head in order to <laughs> save Lobo. <laughs> because he's got the brain bomb in him, uh, but Max is controlling him. So Superman, you know, kind of fights dirty for the, the right kind of reasons. And then I love the bit where Batman welcomes all the bad guys into the Justice League because they're the only ones standing that can, you know, continue on the fight. Um, <laughs> so there are lots of cool little moments, like, um, yeah, when, when the, the League and the squad first meet up and are first fighting. And, yeah, a, a, as Reed said, those pairings there. I really love the bit where uh, Boomerang admits to Flash and he says, look, I know I can't take you, so I have to keep you busy by sending you elsewhere. So he's sending boomerangs, you know, at the poor citizens nearby uh, to distract Flash. I thought that was a cool moment. Um, I really like the moment where, yeah, as we were just saying, where Suits is sort of talking that about, you know, he knows how bad Max is. And uh, Boomerang, Captain Boomerang's like, oh, that guy? And Soup's eyes go bright red and he leans right into 
his face and he goes, trust me. <laughs> and he's like, ah, okay, I'll take your word for it. Um, so there, there are lots of cool little moments. Yeah, I, I, I really like the way it twists and turns so it's more than just the two teams in the title because it still uh, blew me away that Eclipse was involved in the end as well. I was like, wow, that's so cool. Um, and that that's even knowing, you know, DC history and that to see it in like the rebirth era was I, I think a really cool little twist. So yeah. Sorry, I was just gonna say I was just gonna say you brought up like Maxwell Lord's team because like he breaks these like very dangerous, like hidden villains out of this secret mm. prison. And it's it's the original Lobo because up to this point we've had New Fifty Two Lobo. <laughs> um, <laughs> yes. Uh it's uh like Dr. Polaris, who we never ever see. Uh Emerald Empress, and we already know there's this weird thing with Saturn Girl from DC Rebirth. Uh, yeah. Johnny Soro, uh, uh, you know, great villain there. Rustam, like all, of, <laughs> it's it's such like it's such a wacky team, and it's kind of amazing. I I love seeing them in there. Yeah, they were actually my highlight was the fact that um, while I had an original Suicide Squad, it was made up of these, you know, sort of very interesting, diverse characters from the pre. 52 um like johnny sorrow was mentioned in text pieces in starman and then appeared in the jsa under jeff johns so you know i really liked that team and i thought it was um you know walla sent them in on a mission and she was using sort of incentive <laughs> compulsion for them so they would do the right thing because if they would get something out of it um and that led her to go no nah, no nah, bombs in the head are much better um and yeah <laughs> They were very, I guess, uh, she was very careless because, I mean, lots of people died on her mission and she was going, oh, well, oh, well, that's not very good. But, you know, I, I don't like that side of Waller in this, that she's, you know, just careless with human life. I mean, in all the Ostrander run, you know, Waller was, you know, uh, ruthless and conniving, but she wasn't ever careless, you know? Uh, you know, things went want wrong, yeah. but it wasn't um, through her, you know whatever attitude to human life yeah, so well this and the book the book's ultimate reveal is that the entire everything was waller's doing like she yeah. tips max off that the heart of darkness diamond is there so max gets the plan to break out the original suicide squad and she wants the league to find out about the squad because the league was going to find out about the squad so she basically orchestrates this whole thing so that the league lets the squad keep operating instead of just shutting them down. Like, this whole thing is because she doesn't want Task Force X shut down. Yeah. Yeah, yeah so it's fairly clever. And now, as far as, I mean, this story, I mean, we've got our um, event definitions, and I would say this is kind of like a, an Occupy. It gives the team something to do. It's a bit of, you know, cross-team world-building in the DC Universe in the Rebirth era. Um, it mm. does sort of launch a couple of, well, there's a some minor changes like one of them is that um the justice league of america which is a new team that batman forms which was the one written by steve orlando has lobo and killer frost in it um, yes yes and we all you know they were the team that was involved with milk wars weren't they mike they were they were and, and i actually enjoyed that series so it was cool to revisit you know caitlin's journey from you know troubled villain sort of <laughs> to to joining um you know joining the league in some capacity and and yeah I, I quite enjoyed that that JLA series so um yeah it was 
It, it, yeah, I, definitely an occupier. I think it was a little bit of a launcher in terms of getting Lobo and Killer Frost into the league in, in via JLA. So, yeah. Yeah. And the other thing it promised was that Emerald Empress's uh, hunt for Satin Girl would continue in the uh, Supergirl book. Um, and I checked with Anne, and while she did appear there, she never, ever found um, Satin Girl. <laughs> so. Right. Yeah, and, and you don't really get back to Saturn Girl until Doomsday Clock. Right. And then it's, you know, not really what it was set up to be from Rebirth at all, so... Yeah. Uh, I mean, I guess the only other thing that is not directly set up from this, but kind of is, is when she's got Lord... Uh, when Waller has Lord uh, at the end uh, in, in her custody, she says that he'd be a prime candidate for Task Force uh, 11. Um, mm, yes. Uh, and I think that's meant to be like the group of psychics that Waller has like shanghaied uh, during No Justice, right? Uh, uh, yes, right. And and you see Lord in there, and uh, I I think it's not like a direct thing because it's not it doesn't say like watch out for <laughs> you know this <laughs> thing coming because metal wasn't even a thing yet, right? But uh, I think they do pick up that thread in No Justice eventually. Yeah. Well, metal must be must have been on the cards by now because it is the next event we're going to cover in order. So yeah, they must yeah. have been planning it, but I have a hard time imagining. I mean, God, maybe maybe he did plan that far in advance, but I have a hard time imagining Scott Snyder knew, like, even if he knew what the end of metal was, I have a hard time imagining he knew like what the fallout of that thing would be, what that, how they would deal with it, like. Like, would he have already thought of the Omega Titans and stuff like that at that point? I, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, uh, I've been rereading the Tom King Batman and um, the I Am Suicide arc actually has Satin Girl in her cell and she breathes on the glass and draws a Legion symbol. Uh, so, you know, there was yep, obviously... Right, yep. <laughs> the memo was out there that this is, you know, something to you know keep bubbling in the background uh, until Jeff Johns got around to it and then he didn't really do it. Um, yeah, and that was also <laughs> where um, Amanda Waller knew it. Knew, it was obvious that she knew Bruce Wayne's identity and she busted into the Batcave after sending uh, Bruce on this mission with uh, his own Suicide Squad that he assembled to fight Bane. So, yeah, there's a few yeah. bits and pieces connectivity going on here. Um, yeah, but, uh, I mean, there, there's only re one real title that came out of this and it wasn't sort of a direct... Um, continuation as such. So, right. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, we might start getting into this scoring right after we play uh, your promo for the Doctor DC show, eh? Hey there. We already know you like comics. Well, each week you can listen to the Doctor DC podcast, hosted by me, producer Richard, and sitting across from me, the Doctor himself. Hello. We talk about the weird and wonderful world of DC while fielding questions from listeners just like you. That's right. Every Wednesday on a different topic, we talk about the fun, crazy world of DC. Send your questions. You don't have to be an expert. We're here to guide you through it and to make it fun and to have a good time. That's right. Every Wednesday, wherever you find your podcast or on drdcpodcast.com or .ca. Adios. I didn't talk about dicks once. <laughs> 
Okay, so the way the scoring works, and I explain this every episode, but I'm going to keep doing it because I have compulsive tendencies that are hard to break, is that uh, we <laughs> score this uh, series out of four categories, and they are eventiness, like how eventful is it, how big and dramatic and exciting, uh, the writing, the words that we used in it, uh, the art and the covers, the pictures... For the lay people out there. And we also cover the impact and the legacy, like what came from it, what mattered, etc. And so those four categories, we score them out of 10. There are three of us, so if we did all our scores, we'd get a score total out of 120. That's not very metric, so um, one of us gets halved. And I will be the person who gets halved today, so that's how that will work. And I am called the semi-OCD person. Semi-OCD person, depending on... Do you say semi or semi in uh, Canada? Uh, you, you know, it's a matter of some debate in Canada because we're sort of oh. wedged between uh, we're wedged between the old colonial uh, history and uh, taking all of our media in from the states. There's a yeah. we're we're a, we're a metric country, but like my driver's license has my height in centimeters. But if you asked me colloquially, I'd tell it to you in feet and inches. <laughs> it's, wow. it's we're a, we're we're an odd place. It was nice before. Before we started recording, we were talking about the weather, and um, we were all using the um, Celsius, which was nice. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. No, I, I didn't. I didn't have to translate like I do when we've got like American guests on our show or anything like yeah, that. Yeah. You just go. Oh, it's really hot, or it's really cold, <laughs> but not as cold as it is, <laughs> yeah. you know, etc. All right. So um, yes, the scoring. So uh, let's talk about the eventiness first. And you're up, Doc. Oh. Jeez, I I mean, I think the eventiness, even though in the story, the stakes are quite high, you know, Eclipso is doing this really big kind of global catastrophe, but Mm. it doesn't really spill out of this series particularly. So I think the eventiness is probably only like a five. Um, It's, you know, it's all very contained, really outside of this event. It doesn't get referenced. Um, you know, like the, there's no issue of Aquaman like two months from now where they say like, remember when Eclipso did the, they just, it's not. <laughs> um, yeah. I think it's actually pretty contained. It's, it's neat to see a story though. I do think it does something very well, which is balance being a continuity book that comes from things like the I am suicide arc and leads into things like that justice league of America while also being like off in its own corner. Not everyone needs to like adjust their writing schedules to work around this thing. And I, I think that's something it does really well. But yeah, I think I'd give it a five. Yeah. Yep. Okay. And Mike, what do you think? Yeah, I'm going to give it a five as well for pretty much the same reasons. Um, and partly because I was on the fence with it because yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's a big thing that kind of happened, but it's so self-contained. It doesn't go <laughs> anywhere else. So, um, I think five is a is a fair score for this sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah. And well, I'm kind of agreeing with you both. I think it's a five. It, I mean, has the scope is sort of the Justice League of the time and the Suicide Squad of the time. And um, I might give it one extra point for the bits and pieces it brings on in from the uh, the pre fifty two with you know Doctor Polaris and Johnny Sorrow and cool things like that and uh, Eclipso. Mm-hmm. Well, Eclipso was in the new 52, but, you know. Anyway, so I'm going to give it a six. Oh, okay. Okay, so, ooh, Mike, what do you think about the writing? Overall, I, I I thought the story was pretty cool. Like I said earlier, I 
I enjoyed the twists and the turns, and as, as Doc said, uh, the clandestine stuff going on in the background with, you know, these secret organisations that. But there were a couple of really weak parts in there as well for me. Um, there was uh, the story with Steve Trevor, um, sort of, <laughs> you know, man on the street point of view of the whole thing. I found that a really weak um, part of the story and kind of unnecessary, along with the epilogue with Waller's grown-up kids. Um, both of those didn't... I, I felt they were just, you know, filler that wasn't needed at all. Um, so, yeah, overall, it, it's a good story. There's twists and turns on that. It's good fun, so I'm going to give it a 7. Okay. Um, yeah, I, I'm going to give it a 7 too. I think it's you know, it, it's it's fine. It's I mean, the the team balancing stuff is really nicely done, and I think the action flows, and it, you know, it it felt like a sort of very cohesive event overall, except for that, yeah, the the Steve Trevor stuff. Uh, it's like um, Tim Seeley got paid every time he wrote Master Chief because he wrote it like on every single dialogue <laughs> balloon. Uh, Master <laughs> Chief Trevor, it was so weird. So yeah, I, I'll, I'll give that a seven as well. Uh, what about you, Reed? Oh God. Uh, it's like you could you could draw a line so clearly between like the quality of the six issue miniseries and then the quality of the other like five issues. <laughs> like the if it was just the six issues, I'd probably give it like an eight or an eight and a half. I think it's really tight. I think the character like uh, the character dynamics, the stuff we've already been talking about about like Boomerang and Flash or Boomerang being like a horrible skis bag with the female characters <laughs> is all very like funny. It's well written. Uh, the like the Batman stuff the the lobo stuff all these different characters have like all their unique voices are intact uh there's like not a bit of fat on it it moves like piece to piece to piece to piece Mm. but that but then when you throw those other issues in there then it kind of knocks it back down i guess i gotta go seven then i'll go down to seven then Oh, we've got triple seven on it. Okay. And then it comes to the art. I, I think the art is um, overall really nice. Um, yeah, there's a little bit of variety in some of the um, side issues. Uh, but, you know, it is New 52 house-style uh, TM copyright. Um, and, yeah, it seems solid and enjoyable, um, but not very spectacular, I would say. So I'm going to give it a seven. I think that's fair. Uh, what about you, Reid? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I really like Jason Fabok, a good Canadian boy. Uh, I love, uh, love his art. Um, his, uh, like his cover for issue number one looks really great. Um, and there are a couple of big sort of like splash pages that I love, even just in the first issue. There's a splash page of the Suicide Squad arriving in Badnia. There's one of the Justice League arriving to stop them, and there's a big one at the end, uh, a, a big one of the Justice League and the Suicide Squad fighting, and another big one at the end uh, of uh, Lord's team assembled. Like, mm. there's some... there's it, it just... It all feels very cinematic. Um, I, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna give the art an 8, actually, I think. I know it's house style, but it just works. Yeah. Right. Sometimes the house wine is very tasty. Hmm. Uh, what about you, Mike? <laughs> I'm I'm giving it an eight as well. Yeah, overall it's really cool. Um, yeah, some great stuff by Fabok and and I love Tony Daniels stuff as well. I actually really like um, Riley Rosmo stuff in the issue that showed the you know first generation Suicide Squad on their mm-hmm. 
catastrophic mission. Um, I, I dig Riley's art style in general, but it was nice to see that flashback told with such a different um, art style compared to the rest of the yeah the house style um, sort of stuff going on there. So um, yeah, overall, I'm really happy with it with art. So I'm going to give it eight. Okay, and that brings us to the final category, which is the impact and legacy. So, Mike, what do you think about the impact and legacy? Do you think it's uh, worth a high score? No. (laughs) Um, (laughs) That's our show, folks. Um, I I went back and forth on this, and and there's not a lot from what I could see other than um, Lobo and Caitlin joining the JLA. And yes, there are those other plot threads, but um, because I personally didn't follow up on them and I don't know how well, based on what you guys have been saying, I don't know how well those have been resolved. So I'm, I'm giving it four for Impact and Legacy. And what about you, Reed, or Dr. DC, as you are known? I, I think I got to go four as well. I mean, it's... If I feel bad giving a low score to a thing that I like, but really this category, it just it can't it can't deserve higher than that. Yeah. It, uh, you know, like it was also the rebirth like initial lineup of the Suicide Squad was clearly like trying to align to the movies and that, which was like a which was you know it had just come out and stuff like that. You know, like the legacy of it is like, oops, maybe we don't want Killer Croc on the team. Like. <laughs> <laughs> it's um i yeah it just it doesn't really pay off in any way that's super meaningful i mean we get that justice league of america uh series which i love but you might have been able to get that without this event so i yeah it's got to be like a four i think yeah well yeah i i we're all pretty much on the same page because i'm going to give this a four as well um and i'm just looking at scores now and you know, with different numbers slightly, we've all come... Well, you guys are exactly the same on every um, point. I am one higher oh. on eventiness and uh, one lower on art. So, But we all came out at 24. So, wow. Uh, <laughs> wow. Yeah, so let's add that up. But isn't that, just, isn't that just typical for this book, though? Like, it's not, like, it's not an offensive book. It's not very polarizing. It's, you know, it's house-style art. It's just gunning, like, right down the middle. Like, I, I think you could ask almost anyone to read this book, and you'd end up with, like, scores in the same range, right? Because that's yeah. basically what this book is, is, like, yeah, it's, good it's, and fine. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's, not, it's not awful, but it's not earth-shatteringly brilliant by any means. Yeah, it's, it's it's just a good, fun read. And also with the impact and legacy, this story is like, what, four, five years old? So it's compared yeah. to everything else that we've discussed on DCOCD, the, the, the legacy is fairly short and recent. Let's yes. Be honest, so. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, as far as where the impact and legacy go, there's not much there. There, like you know, there's not many things mm. that they can do anything with. Like, there's no amazing bold ideas in here that they can translate into a movie, and we'll see, you know, in the future, and go, wow, that's straight out of you know Justice League versus Suicide Squad. Unlike you know many other ideas that we see. So, yeah. And yet, I think they, I think they almost were trying to go that way with the movie because isn't there that stinger scene in Suicide Squad where like Bruce Wayne's like shut it down or my friends will come to it? Like I think they oh, wanted yeah. it. I think they wanted it to happen, but then obviously the way those like the movie rollout happened, it was never going to happen. But I think there was a moment where 
they were like, we know that this is the stinger scene in this movie. Start working on this title. Hopefully when Justice League lands, people are going to love it. And then, we'll, and then we'll go from there. Like, I think they did kind of want it to happen. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, alright. So this, that gives us a total score, if I have mine. Uh, we got 60. 60 out of 100. Oh, wow. Which puts it uh, on par with our ranking for the new 52, which is... Uh, Fitting. <laughs> so it's, it's below Armageddon 2001 and above Brightest Day and yeah. Oh my so. God! Wait, this is below Armageddon 2001. <laughs> yeah, don't underestimate the power of nostalgia there, Reed. Oh God! And now I now I feel like I did it wrong. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. No, they're, they're, well, there's a lot of stuff way below it. So, but um, if you want to uh, read, if you want to look at our rankings, they're over on our website at waitingfordoom.com, and um, everyone else can look there as well. Um, and you can look at them in two ways. You can look at them in episode order, so it has all of them listed, um, and you can look at the in the ranked order, which is shows you what's at the top and what's at the bottom, and what's in the middle, like this one. <laughs> yeah, so I recommend you do that. I think 60 is a fair score for this one, though. It's, you know, as we said, it's it's a night, it's middle of the road, but still good fun. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, I think your mileage, you know, you'll get more out of it if you hadn't read anything else. But, um, yeah, the yes. more you've read, the more. It's fine, it's fine, it's fine. Yeah. yeah. Okay, well, um, plug your stuff, people. So, um, you've got the Dr. DC podcast, right? Right, Reed, is that it? That's uh, that's right. Yeah, the Dr. DC podcast. It comes out every week on Wednesday. We answer listener questions about a different character or topic in DC Comics. Uh, it's uh, not safe for work, but it's a lot of fun. <laughs> and you also interviewed Shoshana Sashi just before we did. So, yeah, nice try, guys. I did. We did interview uh, Shoshana uh, Sashi. Uh, from uh, Doom Patrol, which was a ton of fun. We've interviewed Steve Orlando and Heath Corson, and uh, yeah, it's uh, every every once in a while we we snag someone kind of big from comics adjacent stuff, and then when we can't do that, we snag someone uh, funny from a different podcast. <laughs> <laughs> All right, and Mike, um, plug your shit. Um, you can hear me on past episodes of Waiting for Doom, which is kind of on hiatus still at the moment. So, um, DC Comics people, if you're listening to this, put out some new Doom Patrol comics. Help some brothers out. Um, other than that, we will have to wait for season three of the Doom Patrol TV show before Waiting for Doom comes back, quote unquote, officially. Um, <laughs> you can also hear me on this other show called DC OCD, where we talk about DC events from Christ on Infinite Earth <laughs> up till Whoa. today. Um, and Paul and I also do The Gary Show, which is just Paul and I talking about anything and everything. Uh-huh. And you can find all those on waitingfordoom.com. Yeah, and I'm Paul, and you can find me. No, I do most of those things too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I found myself, I'm getting a bit itchy to do more Doom Patrol, I must admit, Mike. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, you guys might you guys might have to commit like a whole episode to that one panel in one death metal tie-in where Gail Simone uh, creates the <laughs> Gloom Patrol. There you go. All right, everyone. So um, if you want to send us any feedback, uh, you can do it on Twitter at DCOCDcast, 
And you can also email us at dcocdcast at gmail.com. And of course, the waitingfordoom.com website, you can uh, leave a comment on the post for this episode. That's where people usually do. They didn't this time, so I resent everybody for that. Um, yeah, but that's all we've got this time. Thanks, everyone. And we'll be back. Um, it's going to take a bit more time because we don't do our show on a schedule like you, Reed. Um, we do it when we feel like it or when we get around to it. And the next one is Dark Knight's Metal. So I'm going to need a bit of time for read alling. Read all of that. Yeah, that's a, that's a big one. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. And I've stockpiled it. I haven't read any of it yet. <laughs> oh, wow. Oh okay. You're going in cold? Wow. I'm going in cold. Wow. I'm going in hard and Holy cold. Oh, jeez. Yeah. Right. Pray for me. Okay. Um, okay. <laughs> All right. Thanks, everyone. Uh, we'll talk to you next time. Bye. Bye. Bye.